the children of Israel, God told them, sometimes you'll be in the same place for a year, sometimes you'll be there for one night. And they just had to wait for the cloud to move. As soon as the cloud started to lift off the tabernacle, man, they had to hurry up, pack everything up, break camp, and move. And every time they moved, the Bible says, Moses would stand up and declare, let God arise and all of his enemies be scattered. And then they would start marching. So as we break camp today, and as we begin marching to the new place where the tabernacle, it was a temporary place. Who knows how long we'll be there, but we want to be there as long as the cloud rests upon us. And let God arise and let all of his enemies be scattered. Now, as we prepare for this new season, I want to put up a scripture and we're all going to read it together. And I want this to be a prayer for us as we enter this new season. It's found in Psalm 90, verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let's do it again. And now pray it as a prayer, not only for yourself, but for one another. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for new beginnings. We thank you, O God, when you bring about change in our lives, in our surroundings, in our circumstances, because we know you're up to something good. And Lord, as we begin this new season, and even as we enter a new year, We are looking for your favor. May the favor of our God be upon everything that we do, everything that we plan, everything that we think, imagine, and Lord, establish the work of our hands. Let us not labor in vanity or vexation or futility, but Lord, let us see fruit coming forth from our labors in this new year and in this new season. And God, we know... That without you, we can do nothing. We need your power, your grace, your favor resting upon us. And so may it be, may your favor rest upon each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to talk a little bit today about favor. We recently finished a series of Bible studies on grace in which we shared a rather comprehensive definition of grace, which often includes the concept of favor. Grace is usually defined as God's unmerited favor. But I find very few of us even know what favor is. And in the scriptures, as I've been studying this this past week, there is a distinction between grace and favor. They're not exactly the same thing. And we're going to try to really define what this thing is that we want to rest upon us. What what are we saying when we pray, Lord, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. It's something you find all throughout Scripture. And it's something that makes a big difference in people's lives. And it's actually the difference between failure and success. It's the difference between poverty and prosperity. Favor. 
What is this thing, favor? Now, we just recently finished celebrating Christmas, and probably one of the most often quoted verses from the Christmas story, I guarantee you it was probably on one of the Christmas cards you sent or received this year, is peace on earth, goodwill toward men, right? That is one of the worst translations of a scripture that I know of in the Bible. It sounds good. I mean, it's nice, you know, peace on earth, goodwill toward your fellow man is kind of the message that it conveys. And so at Christmas, you even send a card to your enemy (laughs) and tell him you love him. And then on January, you start beating him up again. But it's a time for truces and, you know, goodwill for a short while. But that's not really what the angels said on that night that Jesus was born. So let's go there very quickly. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 10. You know the story well. Luke 2, starting with verse 10. But the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared. Not just one angel, but a whole host from heaven. Praising God and saying. And the NIV gets it right. I want you to notice how different this is from most of the other translations. What were the angels saying and declaring in their praises? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Totally different. This isn't about you and me having goodwill toward one another. That's fine. May we have goodwill for each other. But that's not what was being declared. What was being declared is the announcement of this great salvation. A Savior has been born. He's going to bring mega joy into your lives. He's going to bring peace to certain people. Notice this. Who is he going to bring peace to? Men on whom his favor rests. It's not, it's not saying, oh, the whole earth is going to have peace now. Does the whole world have peace today? Last time I looked at it, I don't even waste much time watching news anymore. It's so depressing. But peace will be on men who have received this favor from God. This salvation that Jesus was bringing, starting at Bethlehem and ending at Calvary 30 years later... This salvation was going to open the floodgates for God's favor to come upon those who receive that salvation. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Interesting, both these scriptures use that same combination of words. Favor resting. Did you notice that? Let me read the first verse again. You don't need to go back there. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. This isn't like a fly that just comes and lands on you and then flies away. This thing comes to stay. It comes to rest on you. It comes to settle in on your life. And there's no other way to do it but by surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ 
to be your Savior and your salvation. But the peace that's promised here is the result of that salvation. Do you understand that? Peace to men on whom his favor rests. You know, something's been happening inside me all this past week, and I think a lot of you know I wasn't well, and thank you for your prayers. You know, sometimes when God lays you up in bed for a few days, it gives you a lot of time to think and pray. And seriously, one of the things that God was ministering to me all this past week was favor, favor. Seek the favor of God. Look for my favor. And we're going to look at these uh, more detail in a minute. There were people in the Bible that found God's favor. Now, when you find something, what does that indicate? You are looking for it. And I want to tell you something. As we enter this new year, the favor of God is going to rest on those that seek it, those that hunger and thirst for it, those that are pressing in. And I've said this for the last two or three years that we've been doing this 21-day fast. You'll get out of this whatever you put into it. (laughs) If you're like, oh, boy, I'm going to eat a lot at Pastor Wayne's house Tuesday night because I don't like this three weeks of starving. Oh, boy, I'll be glad when this thing's over. If you have flesh, and I do, I don't know if you do, but my flesh is already talking like that. Oh, I don't want to go without food. But you know what? If you make a decision now that this is your offering to begin 2014, this is my little sacrifice to him who gave his blood on Calvary, you'll get something out of it. And God has a special favor I believe he wants to bring upon us, upon our little congregation, upon our ministry, even as we're moving to a new season and a new location, I believe there's new favor for us. And may this be one of our prayers during these next weeks, seeking the favor of God. Now, what do we mean when we talk about favor? What exactly does the Bible mean when this word is found? Well, I was doing some study on this, and I'm not going to give you all the Greek and Hebrew, um, but here's what I came up with. Whenever favor is mentioned in the Bible, as in this case, it centers on God. We're just the recipients of it, but the center is on God and his disposition toward us. I'm going to repeat that. This has everything to do with God's disposition toward a nation or an individual or a congregation. It has something to do, and this is kind of putting it into human terms, but it has something to do with his attitude. How does he feel about you? Does God like you? Now, we know he loves us, but I think some days he doesn't like me very much because I'm ornery and selfish and unbelieving and complaining and grumbling. And I don't think he really likes me very much. Favor has something to do with whether or not God is smiling on you. Do you understand what I mean by that? Can you all tell the difference when God's smiling on you and when he ain't? You ever had one of those days? Man, it's like being in hell. It really is. If you've enjoyed the favor of God and you lose it, it's like being in hell. And you'll do anything to get it back. Anything. And so favor conveys the idea that God is pleased, that the object of his favor is acceptable to him. 
That's one of the definitions of the word over and over and over again. It's something about it being acceptable to God, and therefore he favors it. He's pleased with it, therefore he smiles upon it. And let me read a couple of verses quickly, if you're able to put them up fine, but they're all found in the book of Psalms, and they all mention this same thing of God's favor toward us. Psalm 5, verse 12. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. What about the unrighteous? Doesn't seem like this applies to them, does it? You bless the righteous and you surround them with your favor. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger, did you know God gets angry? Sometimes he's not pleased. His anger lasts only a moment, but... His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. I want you to notice, in the case of God having anger, and in the case of his favor, it refers to his disposition. God's disposition toward you, toward me. And let me tell you something from first-hand experience. You don't want God angry with you. It is not pleasant. And let me tell you something, it will accomplish its purpose, which is to bring you to repentance, to bring you to your knees, so that you will humble yourself and get right with God. But it seems that there's a choice that we need to make. Do I want God's anger upon me, or do I want his favor? And thank God, his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. I don't know about you, I want 2014 to be filled with favor. I'm looking for God's favor every day, every step, every decision, every choice, every work that is done. God, I need your favor. Otherwise, it's a waste. It's an absolute waste of time, energy, and effort. One more, Psalm 77. And, you know... The writers of these psalms, they had the whole gamut of experience. They knew what it was to be on God's bad side and feel rejected and feel like his favor had left them. And then when that favor came back, Psalm 77, 7. Will the Lord reject forever? You ever felt like that? I hope you haven't. But if you have, you know what I'm talking about and you know what he's talking about. It ain't fun. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? It's like when when the sun finally comes up after a storm, favor has returned. God is smiling on my life once again. And so many in the Bible are mentioned. We're not going to look at all these scriptures, but I listed them. The following people, the Bible says they all found God's favor found it. And we already discussed, what does that imply? They positioned themselves, they did something in their life to seek God's favor and to bring that smile from heaven upon their lives. The first person in the Bible is Abel, mentioned in Genesis 4. He found favor with God and his brother found disfavor. God did not look on Cain with favor. And that's why he killed Abel. Noah 
found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Moses found favor. We're going to look at him a little more in a minute. Gideon found favor with God. The prophet Samuel found favor with God. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, found high favor from the Most High God. They were all favored by the Lord. And look at their lives. Look at the spiritual success each one of those people had in their lives. And I think the common denominator is the favor of God that they found. Now, not only did they find favor with God, but very often it mentions they found favor with men. They're connected. You know, we have our vertical relationship with God, which is first and foremost, but it affects our horizontal relationships. If the vertical's out of whack, you can forget about the horizontal. You can look for all the favor you want from men, and it'll be a dead end until you get your life right with God. But these men and women, once they found favor with God, they also found favor with men. And it says that about the prophet Samuel. Of course, it says that about Jesus. He grew in wisdom and favor with both God and men. So as we come under the favor of God... It, it even does something to change people's dispositions toward us. You understand that? Your boss may just suddenly say, you know what? I like you. I'm going to give you a raise. I'm serious. That's favor. That's favor. And it begins with finding favor with God. Joseph, we're going to look at him in a minute. What a beautiful example of someone who found favor with God and with men. Wherever he went, because of the favor of God on his life, God blessed whatever he did, and people were favorably dispositioned toward Joseph because of God's favor upon his life. In Acts 2, it says the early Christians enjoyed favor with all of the people. And one of my prayers as we're moving over to Randolph Road, I want favor with that community. I want God to grant us supernatural favor so we can win souls, so we can bring healing and deliverance, and we can change that community, that we can be salt and we can be light and we can go there and fulfill our great commission, which is to go into all the world and make disciples, preaching the gospel. Now, we need favor with God. We need favor with people. What do we need to do? How can we, as individuals and as a congregation, how can we maximize that favor in 2014? I want to give you a couple of quick things that I listed. And trust me, I wasn't just looking for a sermon this week. I was praying this for my own life. I was seriously asking God, Lord, what do I need to do to position myself in this coming new year to maximize your favor in my life? Number one... We've already mentioned it. Seek it. (laughs) Seek for God's favor. You know, the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And what do we do there? Just sing hymns? What does it say? Come boldly to the throne of grace to find, note that word, find mercy and grace to help you in time of need. And you've heard me say this a million times. When is our time of need? Always. What's always mean? So where should I be living at the throne of grace? 
What should I be continually doing? Looking for grace. Looking for help. Looking for mercy from God. Not from men. The favor with men will come secondarily, but we are responsible to seek favor from God. Now, let's look at a beautiful example in Moses. Exodus 32, verse 11. Exodus 32, verse 11. What does it say? But Moses what? Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. And he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? And I want to jump to the next chapter to show you a little more in detail how serious Moses was about finding God's favor. He sought the favor of the Lord his God. And we have some real good opportunities coming up in these next three weeks or so to seek the favor of God. Seek his favor. Favor. Now, Exodus 33, starting with verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found... What? Who told him that? God did! Lord, you told me this. You said, I have found favor. Okay? Next verse. If you are pleased with me, notice the connection there. Favor and God being pleased with him. Moses is kind of pushing God a little bit here. Saying, okay, you say you've got favor for me. If you really are pleased with me, you need to do something. Teach me your ways so I may know you. And look, look, follow this. And continue to what? Find favor with you. I want to read that again. If you are pleased with me, teach me. It doesn't just say teach me some Bible verses. Teach me some concepts. Teach me some doctrinal rules. That's all good and well, but this is going way beyond that. I want to learn your ways, Lord. How many of you know God's ways are strange? They're not only strange, they are past finding out, the Bible says. They cannot be understood. Nevertheless, we, like Moses, should be calling on God continually, teach me your ways. Because the better you understand his ways, the more you can walk with him, the better you can serve him, and the more you will worship him. Notice this, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Apparently, Moses received a revelation. That the better you know God, the better you can continue in his favor. And to know God, you need to be taught his ways. Teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Next verse. The Lord replied. Notice God says nothing about favor. But really he does. What's his reply? My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you. The favor of God and the presence of God are really synonymous. They, they, they convey the same idea. Because God is pleased with Moses, 
His favor is now resting upon him. God says, my presence is going to go with you wherever you go. Follow the next two verses. Then Moses said to him, don't you like these guys? I mean, they really press in. They, they don't just take something and say, oh, okay, God, okay. No, no, he's pressing in. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. That's been my prayer ever since we were beginning to sense that our days here were numbered. I was praying, God, I don't want to just go somewhere if you're not in it. If your presence doesn't go before us, leave us parked here until we find you, know you, and then you say it's time to move. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. He's serious. How will anyone know that you are what? Please with me. Notice this. How are people going to know that your favor is upon me and upon us unless you go with us? You see, favor isn't just some mist or some, some mythical stuff hanging over your head. It's the presence of God. It is the presence of God. And what he's really saying is, Lord, your presence in our lives and in our midst is so critical. People are not going to know us from an Amorite or a Hittite or a termite if your presence isn't with us. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? Listen to this next part. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. Well, surely it's my college degrees. That'll distinguish me, right? That'll really... They'll know somebody important's come when I flip out my credentials. I got all these titles at the end of my name. Whoa! Dr. So-and-so's here. No, that isn't going to do it. Go back. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. May God's presence rest upon us. As we move from here to a new temporary lodging, may God's presence be with us. And may that be the thing that distinguishes us. I don't care if people think we're smart or good-looking, or well-dressed. I really don't. I don't even care if they think we're good preachers or not. But what I do hope to hear is, wow, God is with those people. They're kind of a strange-looking group, but God's with them. They're, they're odd people, but, you know, there's something about them. It seems like God moves in their midst. That's what I want to hear. And that's what Moses is saying. Nothing else will really manifest your favor in our lives except for your presence, the presence of God. God's face shining upon us continually. May we seek for that with all of our hearts in these coming days. Nothing else is going to matter. We need the smile of heaven. We need the grace, the favor of God shining upon us. Now, we come to my favorite, Joseph. Everybody knows Joseph's story. At 17, the hand of God was upon this young man mightily, and he knew it. He started having dreams. He started seeing things, and he didn't understand all that was going to have to transpire before that dream became a reality. He had no idea it was going to entail rejection, hatred, jealousy, 
imprisonment, false accusation, and all kinds of other things. And maybe you started out your Christian life with a dream or a vision, and you were like, oh, hallelujah, this is going to be good. And now you're thinking, hmm, he didn't tell me about the false accusations, the imprisonment, the beatings, the rejection from my own brothers. He didn't tell me about all that in the beginning. And let me tell you a secret. God doesn't tell you all that at first. You find it out on your own as you walk. And Joseph has already gone through quite a bit when we come to this part in the story in Genesis 39. His brothers have, have already sold him as a slave. He's down in Egypt. He's been serving in the house of an Egyptian, Potiphar. And then eventually he's falsely accused and he ends up in prison. Not for a week, for years, for years. Genesis 39 and, you know, well, let's, I'll read it first, and then we'll get to that. Genesis 39, let's begin with verse 2. What does it say? Oh, my. If only we could hear those words with our name in there. The Lord was with Wayne. The Lord was with Mrs. Leach. The Lord was with me. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw... Stop. When his master saw... Is his master a believer? No, he's a heathen. He's an Egyptian. Does, does his master understand theology? No. But what did he see? He saw God. <laughs> his master saw that the Lord was with Joseph. Did you know that unbelievers can see things that you don't know they're seeing? Oh, yeah. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and he saw something else. This thing, we understand, it's favor. It's the presence of God. It's the smile of God. This thing that was on Joseph's life, it gave him success in everything he did. What's everything mean? Everything. Would you like to have a year like that? You know... Sometimes I think we Christians, we fall into this defeatist kind of an attitude where we almost think the more we fail, the more spiritual we are. Now, it depends on your definition of failure and success. Success is not necessarily having a million dollars in the bank and you're famous and you wear $10,000 suits. That's not success. We see plenty of those kind of people committing suicide. So obviously they didn't find success. Success is when you are fulfilling your destiny. Success is doing the will of God for your life. And so you can't copy anyone else. You need to find your course. You need to find your place and then find success in that. Because the Lord was with him and gave him success in everything he did, his master saw favor on Joseph's life. Keep going. Joseph, uh uh-oh, Joseph found what? Favor where? In Potiphar's eyes. Notice it first began with his favor with God. Because God is favoring this young man, he's now finding favor with men. He found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. He's starting to get promotions. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. He's responsible. He's faithful. He's capable. He's smart. He can do things. Why? Favor. 
Yes. Did uh, Joseph, you know, get a, get a degree in housekeeping? Did, did he learn how to do this? No. Favor enabled him to do all of this. He was obviously a, a tremendous administrator, a manager. He could manage this guy's whole household because of favor. Keep going. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian. (laughs) I love this. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian. Why? Because of Joseph. No other reason. No other reason why this man's house is being blessed except that the man of favor is in the house. Joseph is there. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Stop there. I don't know about you, but I want that. I'm not talking about becoming a millionaire. But I want whatever I touch to be blessed. How many, how many of you understand what I'm talking about? So often we touch something and it dies. <laughs> we lay hands on the sick and they die. And just, you know, just because we're starting a new year and we're moving to a new place, that's not going to make any magic. We need what Joseph had on his life, favor. And then blessing just comes on everything you touch. Blessing comes on everything you do. I've already made up my mind. This is at the top of my prayer list in January. I want this. It may sound selfish, but I'm tired of wasting my time, my money, my energy on stuff that's fruitless and empty and vain. I want a fruitful year. Do you? Amen. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. May he establish the work of our hands. Now, a little later in the chapter, everything has changed. This favored man finds himself in prison. Lied about, falsely accused, and if it were you or me, we'd probably be there in the cell going, Oh, woe is me. What happened to that favor? Oh, well, I guess God's mad at me now. My ministry's finished. Nothing to do but just pine away inside the prison here. Not Joseph. Look at verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, oh no, you mean this happens even in jail? The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Because he found favor with God, he's found favor with Potiphar. Now he's even finding favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Next verse. So the warden, does this sound familiar? The warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Come on, man, this guy's like the prison warden now. He went from managing all of Potiphar's house, now he's the prison warden. Something is on this man's life. It's called favor. Next verse. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph. 
and gave him success in whatever he did. Father, we need this so desperately. We need your favor upon our lives.